Hello, this is the Monday Brown Bagger. You're listening to Co-op Radio 102.7 FM in Vancouver. And my name is Don Norden, and I, I believe I have on the line Alan Watt from Ontario. Are you there, Alan? I am indeed. Okay, thanks for appearing today. I don't have your bio. Do you want to give a short bio? Well, I've been in a lot of different professions, but I have written books in the past on this big agenda. I follow not just politicians, I, I follow the real governments that rule them to try and show the people that nothing happens by accident and that years go into big changes, uh, including what we're experiencing now with the bank situation. This was planned so long ago uh, as a part of a phase, uh, starting with the Bretton Woods Agreement in World War II, with another phase to come into a global society. And, uh, and so I've been writing about these things and doing my own radio shows and um, trying to inform the public of the histories behind this, the big foundations that circumvent democracy uh, because they have unlimited funding and the special non-governmental organizations which they fund to, to promote every part of their agenda into practice. That becomes public policy. Uh, so long ago, a democracy as we think of it was circumvented by what Professor Carl Quigley called in his book, Tragedy and Hope, a parallel government that he claimed was already existing in the 1960s and had been for 60 years in the U.S. In Canada, we have our own branch of it. In fact, all Commonwealth countries have a branch um, from the Royal Institute of International Affairs that have been working steadily for 100 years to bring in this new uh, global society. But it's not to benefit the people, it's to be run on purely an economic basis. And so it's a basis where, uh, and shortly, you'll be allowed to procreate if you have permission or the right genes, because eugenics is a big, big part of uh, this group's plan. And if you have the junk genes, as they say, you're too low on the, on the scale, uh, you'll be sterilized. That's to come into it. Meanwhile, um, for 50, 60 years, they've used the schools, even kindergartens, to help promote every part of their agenda so that those children grow up thinking that, that um, each new part of indoctrination is quite natural and they don't realize they're being used to, by predictive programming it's called, to bring in this world order. They think it's going to be utopia, but the boys at the top have published plenty of books by themselves. They have their own websites up on the big institutes and they tell you that the society they plan to bring in is to be a vastly reduced society where those with the poverty gene, as they call it in eugenics, uh, will be simply eliminated, and they will use genetics to foment and create a new type of creature to serve them much better, whereas the elite themselves um, have said in their own books that they will not alter themselves. They will be steering planet Earth, therefore they must retain their survival instincts, but the public won't need those because experts and authorities will be making all the decisions for them. This is the brave new world scenario that's coming into view now. And uh, the, the kickoff for this part of it was 9-11. 9-11 had to happen to enable the whole world to go into this anti-terrorism mode and take the rights away from every person across the planet at the same time, which they did. That in itself tells you that the negotiations between massive bureaucracies and state departments took years and years prior to 9-11 to set up that kind of 
uh, working implementation. So we're now on a roll to the brave new world. And um, when you look in to what's foreseen by the big think tanks that work for the world governments, such as the Department of Defense in Britain and all NATO countries, and I have this on my website at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, the 90-page report put out by the Department of Defense, they foresee riots worldwide, but mainly in the Western world, kicking off uh, around 2010 or so. Uh, and the reasons for it will be food shortages, unemployment, poverty, um, all of this kind of thing. And they have the internalized military all set up to deal with that. They expect these riots to go on for 30-odd years, and out of it will come the reduced population and those with the special right, you know, the correct genes will be allowed to come through into this new age. Yeah, let's get back to the reduced population uh, issue in a moment. <clears throat> but um, what we have now basically happening is a, a financial uh, slash economic collapse. And uh, in the context of what you have said so far, how do you see... Uh, that uh, sort of fitting in. Do you think that is um, the main issue right now? And do you, how do you see that fitting into what you've already said? Well, a uh, hundred years ago it was said that the final part of the plan would be brought in by the power of the purse, meaning the bankers. And when you followed economics and the big economic forecasters, uh, they were all part, again, of this elitist system, beginning even with Thomas Malthus, who was the economist for the East India Corporation, which was a crown-owned corporation, um, with his eugenics plan and all the rest of it, and then fought right down through Bretton Woods and all the characters involved. Um, their idea was eventually to bring in the supreme fascist-type system where government is truly wedded to international corporations and business, and they would run society and find places for you to work. Uh, or not. Um, so money is a tool. Money is a tool that we've all been trained we must have. We're not taught at school to go out and grow our own corn or farm or be self-sufficient. In fact, they say that self-sufficiency must be eradicated. You must be interdependent, which means totally dependent upon the system. And therefore, we've been trained from school to go out and earn this thing called money. Money is a means to an end, and as long as the public are willing to use it, everything seems to work fine. However, uh, money can be anything. Uh, eventually, they're going to issue credits. Now that the government's got their fingers in the banks, and they're working with the banks, they will eventually, according to Bertrand Russell, Lord Bertrand Russell, who's a big player in this uh, agenda, he wrote much of it that's coming to fruition now, he said eventually the state will issue credits to every citizen at the beginning of the week. Uh, these credits will go into your bank accounts. You cannot save them up. So you start at the same amount every week. And it will be used also as a form of social punishment. They will withdraw your credits or withhold them, and you can't pay your rent, and you can't buy food. And that will be how they will control you uh, into conformity in this new society that they're bringing in. Uh, that will come to pass. We already have government involved now with your bank account. That means they'll decide what you can buy, why you're buying it, should you be buying it, and so on. Uh, that was always the goal of the big um, elitist that we call true fascism. 
uh, Professor Carl Quigley himself in his book, Tragedy and Hope, and the other great book is called The Anglo-American Establishment, goes through the history of this parallel government. He worked for them. He was the historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, which is the American branch of this uh, organization. And he said this new system we are bringing in is a new type of feudalism run by overlords, and these overlords will be the CEOs of international corporations. It's very much like what you saw in the movie Blade Runner uh, that had that in it. That's the kind of world they want to bring in. They say that the way things are now, where people can mate with who they want to and choose their own future, etc., is just too untidy, it's not organized enough. They want to bring in a planned society. We've all heard of family planning. It's a global village now, so it's global planning on a big scale. That's what's coming in. As we move along in this interview, and it will end uh, at 1.07 p.m., um, I must tell listeners this uh, is a fundraiser for uh, Cooperative Radio, and uh, we need your calls to come in now. We're aiming for $1,000 today. So uh, phone, please, 684-8494. We already have a couple of uh, donations, but we need many more uh, before this uh, program ends at 2.30. So please do that. Phone in and... uh, Make your pledge or buy a membership, renew your membership at 684-8494. That's area code 604-604-684-8494. And we'll carry on here with Alan Watt, my guest, um, who is on the Republic Broadcasting Network on the Internet and uh, speaking to us, I believe, out of Ontario right now, where he lives. Um... Okay, it's uh, quite obvious now what is happening uh, is uh, a planned and engineered destruction of the United States of America uh, with uh, George Bush, Cheney, and others facilitating that. Uh, Would you explain um, the reason that um, America has to be destroyed and the roles that uh, the Fed and uh, these people in the... uh, top of the government, Cheney, Bush, are, are playing? Well, the people at the top of the U.S. government and pretty well every government on the planet are and have been for an awful long time internationalists anyway, uh, using the nationalist system to bring in the global society. And the United States was chosen um, a long time ago. In fact, we find various authors came over to the United States uh, to to talk about this to the senators back in the early 1900s. Uh, and they came over from, at that time, what was called the Cecil Rhodes Foundation. Uh, Kipling was one of them. And he made a speech to the Senate floor. And he said, Britain has created the embryo of a world order through its empire. And this new world global society should be built upon this model. Uh, the U.S. would have to take over the functions of policing it, funding it, because Britain at that time was totally exhausted through debt from all the wars that it had to take over most of the world. And that has been the role of the CFR ever since, basically, the Council on Foreign Relations. So, again, Professor Carl Quigley, in his book, who who was the historian for the CFR, uh, said 
that these guys and his organization had been behind most of the major wars. The world wars were necessary to create um, steps towards unification, because out of war you find treaties are signed, amalgamations happen, and now you have another empire. So they wanted to create a European bloc and an American bloc and a, a Pacific Rim bloc. You also find Karl Marx writing about that before Kipling and Wells, H.G. Wells and many others, uh, talked about it openly in their own books, uh, the same th three blocks under a world government system. The only problem was they didn't think the public would go for it. They don't like giving up their nationalism, their identity, their cultures. And so through war, uh, they, would, they would bring us all to our knees so that we'd accept it. If that didn't work, they'd bring in, uh, as I say, the power of the purse. And by, by economic crackdowns, they could make us do anything they wished. That's what we're seeing happening today for the final push. The United States... When it was formed, and you go into the histories written by some of the founding fathers and the letters of Benjamin Franklin and Jefferson, they both said that they hoped that the birth of the United States of America would, would uh, be a federation, lead to a federation of the world. And then into the 1800s, Shelley and others wrote poems about it, a federation of the world. And they're all funded again by this um, society based in England, uh, funded by royalty, in fact, and given charters, many of them, to push this agenda. And by the pretense of using democracy, um, they would put the public to sleep, basically. Uh, and we have gone to sleep because democracy was designed that the biggest groups within society would have the major say in democracy. It's not for the individual. Therefore, they set up massive foundations like the Rockefeller Foundation, Ford, Carnegie, uh, Guggenheimer, and many more in Europe and England. And those foundations with unlimited financing would set up what, we, what the public would perceive as grassroots organizations, non-governmental organizations, who would then demand certain laws get passed on the environment, and many other things, and the public were only too, the, the, the government was only too willing to go and sign that into law. That's how this kind of democracy really works. It's a rigged game. Uh, there, is no, there is no say for the individual. They don't care about the individual. So you, you'll find with the Club of Rome, another big think tank which creates public policy that it gives out to governments, the same as the Council on Foreign Relations, um, the, the Club of Rome uh, said in their own book towards uh, the first global revolution, they said that the way to global government um, was, was through the creation of crisis. They said they'd have to find a way to get the whole world to come together under a war situation. This is in the 1970s they were talking about this. And they, they looked at all the possible scenarios and they thought that blaming humanity for the destruction of the environment could be used by, uh, by those who ruled uh, by implementing laws which would govern the minutest detail of every individual's life. That's what's happening today. In that same book, they, they went further. They said that they'd looked at all the different systems of government and controlling vast populations, and the one they favored the most was collectivism meaning the Soviet system. 
Now, Soviet means ruled by councils or non-governmental organizations, and that's what we see today. Uh, if you don't belong to one of the big NGOs, you have no voice. If you start your own organization, no matter what size it grows to, if the United Nations does not accept you, you will not get funding through the big foundations. So not anyone can be allowed uh, into the elite group of NGOs that now run our lives. So how do you see, uh, what type of mechanism do you envision for um, this system to be overthrown, and how do you think that might happen? It's incredibly difficult to overthrow when you realize, and this is what scares people when they do wake up to the changes, when you realize that every facet of your existence depends on the system that's already in place. That's why people are terrified when it starts to change. And I tell them, look, the previous system that you lived in belonged to the same people and foundations and, and the ultra-rich. They're simply upgrading their system into the next phase as we all suffer for it. And they have worked scientifically, using scientific indoctrination our whole lives through, through talk shows and television movies. Uh, lots of programming into our minds comes from movies, predictive programming it's called from Tavistock Institute in England. Uh, we also have all the nature shows that were put out there to, to get us aware. They call it raising public awareness. What they really mean is this is going to be your opinion. This is how you're going to see things and view things on this particular topic. That's what they mean. So scientific indoctrination, as it's called, has been used on the general public their entire lives. Most people don't come to their own conclusions or opinions. Their opinions are induced opinions. So... <clears throat> Yeah, so the mass media, uh, there basically is uh, no way for people to, uh, aside from the Internet, some programs on the Internet and so forth, to <coughs> educate themselves uh, about what is really happening. The mass media does not do that. And, in fact, television basically acts as a, a mechanism to... Uh, distract people with uh, diversions like sports and so forth, yes. things that really don't uh, mean anything as far as uh, those people having political um, power. So where, uh, where is the, um, what is the vehicle that people can, or do you think there is no vehicle, there is no possibility at the moment for people to um, empower themselves and take con political control? The only way they could do it is literally to take to the streets en masse across the Western Hemisphere. Well, then they'll be shot down and they'll be that arrested. That will come anyway. That mm. will come uh, anyway. As I say, the Department of Defense have talked about... They don't call it demonstrations. They call it riots. And so much so, if you look into the website, my website, and read through it, they say they're even going to use neutron bombs on big crowds. This is from the top think tank for NATO. Well, dem demonstrations are being put into the classification of uh, terrorism, though, aren't they? Yes, but you can still go into, uh, you can still apply for legal demonstrations and, uh, and do it. And yes, you will have infiltrators, who, generally who are police or special forces, who dress up like the rest and they, mm -hmm. they cause the trouble. Um, but you have to put up with that because we have no other option. Politicians are marked on an agenda. I think it was Professor Quigley, again, who, who said that uh, 
that must now for a hundred years, the top politicians in all parties are picked and groomed beforehand and their advisors uh, by the Council on Foreign Relations. That's why this agenda has never halted or been diverted regardless of party change. And you to understand too that bureaucracies play a massive part in this because bureaucracies uh, are there all the time regardless of what politician or what group gets in or out. And they have their mandates. And since the League of Nations was developed, became the United Nations, bureaucracies correspond with their peer groups within the United Nations. They bypass the politicians. Bureaucracies are unelected. And even Hitler, when he was asked about how did they run the country, he says you, you must control and have the, the, the bureaucrats on your side. That's the same system that, that we are run with. It seems to me the intent of demonstrations is, number one, to uh, um, notify the public in general who don't know much about issues exactly. that uh, people are upset about what is happening, and number two, to try and affect uh, the politicians to make a change. But um, both of those, uh, through the control of the mass media, um, not, not uh, covering demonstrations and... <clears throat> through the uh, basically the sellout of the politicians to not challenge the system, uh, demonstrations become non-effective. Mm -hmm. That's the only chance they have right now. Because what's going to happen in the near future? Because I can I've seen this. I've got lots of documentation on this. We know that the five big agri-food businesses have taken over pretty well the food supply of the planet. And when a few people own the, the food supply of the planet, they will use that as a weapon down the road on the public. They're talking about the coming food shortages. I looked into the Royal Institute of International Affairs website, and they've had think tanks, specialized think tanks, working uh, on many projects, but one of them was working on the coming food shortages, which are planned to be. And then the public will riot, unfortunately, because that's what they do when their back is to the wall. So we, well, while we can eat and while we can feel fairly healthy, fairly healthy regardless of the, the stuff we're eating, um, we've got to, as I say, be show ourselves now. And if nothing else, people who come to watch these demonstrations can have literature handed out to them, and it will grow and grow and grow. And the, the mainstream media must be bypassed. Many people turn up at these demonstrations and take their own video and do their own documentaries and put it up on the internet. That's the way you have to bypass the mainstream media. By the way, the mainstream media, most members at the top two, according to CFR, are their members as well. So that explains why they're all on board on this particular agenda. Okay. In the last two and a half minutes, we haven't had much time in the short time that we have to, to even begin to scratch the surface of this issue, but uh, I, I would urge people to uh, tune into the Republic Broadcasting Network and uh, look for the Alan Watt uh, program and um, hear more of what Alan Watt has to say. I would also urge people again to support uh, Vancouver Co-op Cooperative Radio uh, and phone in right now. We need uh, your pledges and uh, donations and renewed memberships to carry on. Very important. So phone in to 604-684-8494 and make that pledge. We haven't had time to talk about uh, the population reduction issue, but Alan, would um, 
If I could uh, contact you again, and maybe in the latter part of uh, January, would you be willing to come on for an hour and, and yes. further this discussion? Sure, yeah. Is there anything you'd like to cover in the last uh, one minute, then, uh, that you haven't... Yeah, we have to truly um, take the fear that comes our way and get over the fear scenario, because part of this whole mammoth um, organization that rules our lives uh, tries to terrify us into immobility. And we've got to stop that and realize that we are sentient human beings with rights, uh, just as much rights as a Mr. Rockefeller or the head of the United Nations or Her Majesty the Queen or anyone else. And so, therefore, uh, we should have a say in the direction that the world is going. And that's never been given to the public anywhere in the world. It's time we brought it in and we all got involved in it because our lives depend on it. Well, thank you very much, uh, Alan. It's been a pleasure having you on today on uh, the Monday Brownbaker program. And uh, I'll look forward to talking with you again in January. Will do. Thanks very much, Alan. Thank you, too. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.